In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Behold, a man was carried out. Dear friends, this young man had been in the bloom of youth, and he was entering life in all the vigor of health and strength. Moreover, this young man was the only son of his sorrowing mother, the only consolation left to her in a widowed state. Thus we note that death has no respect for age or health, reaping without distinction the young and the old, the great and the lowly. What do we learn from this dramatic scene? I think two big things. First, we learn of Jesus, of God's incredible compassion for those mourning the loss of loved ones. Jesus himself wept at the tomb of his friend Lazarus, even though he knew he was going to raise him from the dead. Likewise, for any of us here who has buried a husband or a wife, a mother or a father or a son or a daughter, a brother or a sister or a dear friend, Jesus has compassion on us. For any of us here grieving over the death of loved one who died, Jesus knows what we are going through. He knows what we are going through and he cares. We need to remember that God is not the author of death. God never intended death. Death is a consequence of sin. But the Lord of life did not leave the situation as it was. He entered into our world, took on our human nature, even took on human death, in order to redeem it completely and make eternal life possible. Just as the multiplication of the loaves and fish foreshadowed the far great miracle of the Eucharist, so this physical resuscitation of the young man of name foretells a far greater miracle that Jesus wants to give our loved ones and us the miracle of resurrection from the dead. Resuscitations are temporary. Resurrection is forever. 
Jesus, who is rich in mercy and compassion, particularly wants to share his compassionate touch with us around the time of our death and the death of our loved ones. Jesus wants to say to each of us and them, not temporarily but eternally, young one, I tell you, arise. And so we need to entrust ourselves and our loved ones to that mercy. And we, bring, and we need to bring our faith and hope and love to help those who are mourning the loss of their loved ones. It's always good for us to focus more deeply on the corporal work of mercy, of burying the dead with reverence and prayer and the spiritual works of mercy, of consoling those who need, consoling the sorrowful and praying for the salvation of the living and the dead. Secondly, we have to grasp that the same two processions we see in the Gospel continue on a moral and spiritual plane. One procession is a death march, a funeral cortege toward definitive self-alienation from God. The second is a procession on the narrow road that leads, that leads to life, which involves walking together with Christ. Which procession are we on? The procession of life is one in which Jesus seeks to bring us fully alive. The life, the triumph over death he wants to give us is not so much an event as a relationship. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. And for us to experience his risen life, both now and in the future, means to enter into that deep relationship with Jesus. It means not just to hear him, but to listen to him, to follow him, step by step, teaching by teaching, prayer by prayer, beatitude by beatitude, commandment by commandment. The path of death is to structure our life apart from Jesus. Unfortunately, many people are walking spiritual cadavers. Some are totally empty on the inside. Others are decomposing, full of hatred, envy, jealousy, resentment, and anger against others, and often against God. And they surround themselves 
with a big crowd of people heading with them and often not knowing that they are already interiorly dwelling within the city of the dead. Some of the most tragic casualties on this cortege of corpses are those who mistakenly think they are alive because they have some knowledge of Christ and his teachings, or may know some biblical verses and even occasionally pray or come to church. But Christ is not alive in them because they have fatally wounded their relationship with Christ through living in a way mortally and morally incompatible with his life. They are refusing perpetually the grace and the forgiveness of God given by through his sacraments. They may be going through the motions, but at the level of their soul, at the deepest levels of their being, they are not in relationship with Jesus, they are not walking with him because they are refusing his love. So, as long as we are in this life, we are in a permanent combat to gain victory before death. Death will, in a moment, take from us the money and other things that we have amassed with so much trouble. But death cannot take from us the alms we have given and the other works of charity we have performed. These shall be safely stored up for us in heaven by our Lord himself. Death will strip us of all our possessions. But death cannot take from us the beautiful robe of sanctifying grace. It cannot take from us our prayers, our frequent confessions, our holy communions, our constant connections with God and the love of our families and friends and all the friendships we have built on earth. These things will remain for us and follow us into eternity. As we see in the Gospel of today, Jesus is our life. He is our Savior and he wants to help us to bear our trials. The miracle of the resurrection of the son of the widow of Nain is an expression 
of the delicacy of Jesus' love for us. The resurrection of the young man was implored by his mother's tears. Let ours be implored every day by our good deeds, by the tears of repentance in our hearts, by our humility and trust. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost.